0: This is Fine Music Radio, Rodney Trudgeron, greeting you. As you know, we've been repeating some people of note interviews during our lockdown, and this evening is another example. It's an interview I recorded with Hoitse Le Hobie a couple of years ago when she visited Cape Town for a series of concerts. FMR 101.3 People of Note on Fine Music Radio is proudly brought to you each week at this time by Peter Turine Productions. This is Rodney Trudgeon welcoming you to this week's edition of People of Note right here on Fine Music Radio. And my guest this week is a young South African soprano who is enjoying a hugely successful international career. Hoizemang Le won a scholarship to study at UCT's College of Music, and at the moment she's studying at the University of Michigan. Hoizemang is in the country for two hugely important musical events. She sang in Mahler's Resurrection Symphony with the Cape Town Philharmonic, and she was exclusively chosen to tour with the Minnesota Orchestra on their South African tour. In fact, Hoytumang was flown to Minnesota to perform the same program there ahead of the tour, which included the world premiere of Harmonia Ubuntu by Bonganin Dodana Breen. And, Koitseman, it's great to have you in the studio because I know whenever you come to this country, you seem very, very busy. And you have been busy, haven't you, with two, as I said, two major musical events.
1: Uh-huh. Thank you very much for having me.
0: It is wonderful to have you. I just want to know um, about Minnesota. That must I know that you live in America and we'll get there. But um, you must have been pretty excited to have been chosen by Minnesota. How did that actually happen? How did you come to get chosen by Osmo in the orchestra.
1: Okay, so it it was really exciting. I received an email from somebody called Kari and they said, "We got your email address from a lecturer at the University of Michigan and we would like you to sing for us." And I was like, "Is this a mistake or what?" <laughs> like I've never <laughs> sung for any American orchestra, you know, and I I thought to myself, "Okay, so I was like, of course I would love to, you know, and who is this person? So I had to go to Professor Pelton and say thank you for this opportunity And because I had just gotten to Michigan, actually, and they she had just heard me for the first time in a concert, you know, so I thought she was responsible for that. But apparently there was a list of sopranos that was handed out to the, the Minnesota and they had chosen Bongani Dordana Breen to commissioned this piece and they had to choose in all those sopranos and since we had worked together in the past he then said it would be lovely to work with Huizemang again because she has already sung my music and she knows what it sounds like so that's how I ended up being the chosen soprano. (laughs) The chosen one as they say. (laughs) Yes indeed.
0: And so you went off to Minnesota to do this premiere, and you did exactly the same program, more or less, didn't you, as you did here in Cape Town and in South Africa with Beethoven 9 and the Sibelius and the other bits and pieces, and working with a man like Osmo Venska, who is really quite an internationally famous conductor, what was that like?
1: Oh, that... That was an experience. Mm, You know, to get to Minnesota, I was very, very nervous about working with this man. And on our way to the rehearsal, the lady that took us to the rehearsal spoke about how amazing this man is and how strict he is. And you must know your notes and all of that. And I was thinking to myself, am I ready for this? (laughs) You know, (laughs) but, you know. The one thing that I always say to myself is, you know, I work hard, and if I learn my music, then I'm fine. But also I know that one thing that always speaks for me is my voice. So I got there and I said, I'm going to open my mouth, and then we'll hear. And then he just (laughs) fell in love with me. (laughs) (laughs) That's (laughs) a lovely story. And it it was actually so beautiful that all the nerves and everything just went away because he was like, you are so good. I mean, the first thing he said to me was that, This is difficult for us, so you have to bear with us. And I said, Maestro, this is difficult for me. (laughs) So, You know, we had an understanding that we were working with something difficult. But he was absolutely amazing, very helpful. He knew every note of the piece as it was said. And it it was quite weird because it's a new piece, but he knew everything that was going on. And he was like, I need this precise and this. And it was such a great working environment.
0: And so the orchestra responded as well. The orchestra were prepared and they were with you, behind you.
1: They were with me. They were behind me. Uh-huh. They were supportive. They sound amazing. Mm. I mean, the first time they played, I just wanted to keep quiet and listen to it. <laughs> it was so full, so rich. It, You know, it was a different sound. That I'm not used to, so it it was really exciting to perform with them.
0: Huitemang, for people who might not have been lucky enough to be at that performance and who didn't hear a recording of it, what is the work about? Or what is it like? Is it like a, a cantata? Is it an aria? What is what is it actually?
1: I can say it's maybe it's something close to a cantata. Mm-hmm. It's a solo work, so you know there's a little bit of singing and a little bit of orchestra and singing and orchestra. And it's written very beautifully. The text is Mandela's speech, and it also makes one feel very good because I felt like I was handed a task to say this amazing speech that Mandela says, you know. And the music is very beautifully written. It's quite a high piece, which is quite fun because I like singing high. (laughs) So uh, the orchestra is very rich and thick, and there's marimbas, and... Drums, you know, so everything comes together and it's just a big world cluster of music in one <laughs> piece. You know, it's about 12, 15 minutes long and it's it's quite nice. You get everything from that.
0: How did the audience react to it in Minnesota?
1: So when we performed this in Minnesota, <laughs> the audience was, I was nervous because, you know, premiering something and yes. you don't know how they're going to take it. Nobody knows it. So it's like, mm, we'll see. And I sang and I sang And at the end Everybody just rose And just started clapping (laughs) And it was a standing ovation That took a very long time To a point where I didn't know what to do I wanted to cry Because it was just (laughs) so much It, It was overwhelming To feel so appreciated You know So it's one of the moments I'll never forget. Absolutely,
0: <laughs> and nice and early in your career as well. Indeed. But we'll talk about your career in a moment. Khojimang, what is your first choice of music?
1: So my first choice of music is a song called Kungawo Amandla by Bongani Makachana It's sung by the Chauten Choristers and Sidwell Shongo is conducting it. So I chose this piece because I started being in the music. I was introduced to music by my uncle who sang in a choir. Then I started going to choir rehearsals with him. And that's how I started liking the choral music kind of a thing. And that's what introduced me to music as I come from a loving musical family. So that's why I chose this piece.
2: (laughs)
0: Is choral music. there, first choice of my guest, La Hobie here on People of Note. What was that, Khoitamang? I'm going to let you introduce it so beautifully. And I'm not going to try and do it as you did it at the beginning. <laughs> so will you do a back announcement for us?
1: It was Kungawo Amandla by Bongani Makachian,
0: okay. sung
1: by the Houten choristers.
0: By the way, this thing that we were talking about that you, Harmonia Ubuntu, what language did Undadana write that in?
1: It's written in English. Is it in English? Yes okay, yes. okay,
0: Okay. we've spoken a bit about your glamorous appearances here. You also were with the Mahler Symphony, which was such an event in Cape Town. And I'm sure up there on stage in that refurbished city hall, you must also have felt something very special was happening that night. Because don't you agree that the orchestra and choir and the soloists outdid themselves with a remarkable work?
1: It was absolutely amazing. I was sitting on stage up there and thinking to myself, Am I somewhere in Europe? Because the hall looks amazing. I was listening to the sound that the orchestra was making, the sensitivity, the beautiful singing by the choir. I wanted to be in the audience to listen (laughs) to this because I remember the first rehearsal when they started singing, I got goosebumps and I'm like, am I losing myself? You know, I just wanted to enjoy the moment. It was Mm -hmm. really a beautiful Concert, and it was such an honor to be asked to be a part of that.
0: Gosh, you've got a few honors up your sleeve now, that as well as the (laughs) Minnesota thing. And you mentioned, um, when you were introducing that first piece of music about your being introduced to choral music, but what was your first introduction to opera? Because I gather it was on television. Tell me a little bit how opera came into your life.
1: So, I had been singing from primary school, but when I got to high school. There was a choir and there were competitions, Tirisano Eistedfords, where they introduced the opera section. So the teachers would listen to all of us in the choir and say, you have a big voice, go to the soloist, you, you know. So I was chosen like that to go to the soloist and I started singing opera, you know. But I had actually heard a broadcast on TV uh, while I was watching Imizu Lili, and there was a lady, Loveline Madumo, who was singing something from Labohem, And they introduced her as a lady from Harangua. And that's where I come from. And I said, she lives here and she sings like this. Is this humanly possible? <laughs> you know, I would like to sing that. So when I got to school and I was chosen, I was quite excited that I got the opportunity to sing that way too.
0: So, and that's how it happened, because what is the story about the Black Tie Ensemble, that Pretoria group that um, has done so much, actually, to inspire people to sing opera? And you got involved with them in a certain way?: Yes,
1: program. I did. Loveline Maduma was a part of the Black Tie Ensemble, oh, washy, so washy. that is what I was listening to. So after the school competitions, we compete in provinces and we won the province, the the national competition. And uh, the black tie invited me to, to come audition for them for the incubator scheme. So the, in the incubator scheme, it's like a studio kind of a program where you learn about music, you do your theory, your piano, your languages, you know, for three years before you become a soloist. And as I was doing my last year of school and I didn't really have money to go to school to further my studies. Initially, I wanted to become an accountant. Oh, that's
0: interesting. But then
1: when I was invited for these auditions, I thought, okay, maybe this saves me from doing that accountant that I wanted to do, you know. (laughs) And uh, so I decided to go and I auditioned for them and they took me. So then I was very young at that point but i just decided to join them and that's where the the opera music started
0: so you discovered that you had a voice very much younger like you said they picked you out of the choir as having a big voice and was this this is obviously just something natural that you're endowed with so it was you were a young girl when you discovered you had a voice
1: yes i was very young when i mean i started going to choir with my uncle and what was weird about uh me was the fact that we went to the choir, and when we came back, I would sing the songs that they were singing. And then one day, apparently, I filled in when the soloist was not there, and I sang. I was sitting down there, but I sang the the song, and everybody was like, I was 3, 4. And they were like, <laughs> what? <laughs> this little girl can sing, can hold a tune like that.
0: And remember the notes.
1: And remember the notes, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's where they knew that there was something special about me and music. You know.
0: Okay. Well, now let's see what's special about your second choice. <laughs> so, <laughs> What have you chosen for your second choice? So
1: my second choice is E Amore Ulandroncello from Così Fantute <laughs> by Mozart. <laughs> yeah. So this aria I chose because when I went to the Tirisano National Ice Stedford, it's the, s- the first aria that I sang. And it was such a beautiful thing, you know. It was at that time, we knew nothing about technique or anything. We were just literally imitating what we heard from, from this, the other singers. So this is Cecilia Bardoli <laughs> singing E Amore Un Landroncello.
0: the voice of Cecilia Bartoli singing that aria from Mozart's opera Così Fantute, Tutte, the second choice of my guest on People of Note this week, the soprano, Goitza Lahobie Le And um, that's just, what, remind me what aria that was, what was it called?
1: The name of the aria is mm. E Amore un Landroncello. This is an Italian name. Yes. You know, but when we sang it at at school, we sang it in English. It was written for Engli- in English, you know, so I guess it was a better language and easier language for us. But in that na- those national finals, that's where I met Pretty Ende ah,
0: yes. who
1: we got there with our English oh love seg and, and she came in with Italian. And we were like, Who is this girl <laughs> that sings something that we don't know and we don't understand? And it was Something very impressive for us, you know. And that's how you know that somebody's gonna be a star. Well, exactly. <laughs> I mean
0: she's look at her career. Exactly,
1: God. look at where she S- is. Sounds though
0: like you're following very much in her career. And Pumeza as well, Pumese much. Uh-huh. And now, I'm so tempted to ask you how old you are, but gentlemen, never ask a person's age. So, moving on swiftly, <laughs> um, we've got as far as your incubator time with the Black Tie Ensemble, and now you've made up your mind, no more accounting, I'm going to be an opera singer. But then, t- you, you studied formally, and you got into... UCT uh, to the College of Music there. Just tell me a little bit about that thread. How did that all happen that you ended up in Cape Town studying with people like uh, Hannah Finneker, Angela Gobato, Professor Kamal Khan and so on?
1: So there was a an opera company that opened Opera South Africa and they had a concert to launch their company and Professor Kamal Khan was invited to conduct that concert. So he got there and we had our first rehearsal and I sang for him Unbel vedremo," and he said, Oh my God, how old are you? What are you doing here? How do you sing like that? You know? And I was like, Oh well, I sing for the black ties and this and this and that and he said, You need to go overseas, you know, what qualifications do you have? And I said, Unfortunately you don't. I mean with the incubator scheme it was so great, but you had no official paper you yeah, know yeah. so he said no i think you need to go to school i'm a professor at uct and i can help organize for you to come to uct and as it was something that i had already wanted to do it was a yes immediately you know i didn't have to sit down and think about it i was like okay i will come as long as everything is organized and i can find money to do that i'll do that so then i In 2011, I started my first year at UCT, and it was the best decision that I made.
0: So it was Professor Kamal Khan who actually got you there. He heard you. He thought, we can't let this one get away, and brought you to the UCT Music School. Yes. And then you started studying uh, formally there. Mm Mm-hmm. And did you work with Professor Kamal quite a lot?
1: I did. I worked with Professor Kamal. Because he's lot.
0: phenomenal, isn't with?
1: He's absolutely amazing. He knows so much. Mm. He's a workaholic. He's a perfectionist. So we were in class <laughs> in in the workplace twenty four seven, Monday Sunday's Like, don't you want to work? Let's work on that aria. Let's work on that song. The whole time, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the passion and the love I have, and working with him is so. Good. I would always go. Like Sunday, 4 o'clock, I'm like sitting there. And he's like, let's work on this at 5. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and Sometimes, along like, you go. It's the weekend, though, Prof. <laughs> Can I just relax? He's like, no. You know.
0: But now um, in the – this is now – so this takes you to UCT. This is the next big step in your career. And apparently you got a scholarship. But you're also, apart from Professor Khan. As I said, you worked with people who are well-known as voice coaches, Hannah Fenikirk and Angela Gubato. So you seem to have had the best of all worlds. Am I right in saying that?
1: You are very right. I had the best. I mean, I worked with Hannah, who was absolutely phenomenal. She knows everything there is to know about the voice, so I was always sure that I was safe. She refused that I sing things that were not right for me at that age. You know, it's like, you look at this. Mozart is always good for singers. These kind of songs is what you sing. And we worked on every piece. And I never sang anywhere outside without working with her, you know. Mm -hmm. And with Professor Angelo. once you had finished with the aria or the song or whatever, you say, Prof, here I am. And we start finding out what it means, what everything is, and how you act and how you express and find the meaning and the emotion from inside. And just having those three people around you was just like, I've got it, you know.
0: And what was it like leaving Karankua and coming to, or Pretoria actually, and coming to Cape Town? What about your family?
1: I mean, it was quite a big change. But since I finished school, I moved to... Pretoria in town and I lived there alone, you know, so it didn't feel that different. I mean, in Pretoria, yes, to go home was 30 minutes. And when I was here, I had to think about money, a flight, you know, things like that. But it was not hard at all because of my family was there with me all the time. It felt like you they were around and they supported me. You know, And they
0: still fully support you. And
1: they still fully support and you. And
0: they must be so proud of you, Hoitemang. They
1: are. They Gosh. are really, really proud.
0: Let's have another piece of music. Number three, Hoitamang.
1: So number three is the aria Voilo Sapete o Mama from the opera Cavalleria Rusticana. And I chose this opera because it's one of those operas. It's one of my favorite operas. I might never get to sing it because if it's for a dramatic soprano, But maybe in the future, who knows? I Mm. may be able to. But it's also the opera that made me realize that I chose the right career. Because we used to do it in the Black Tie Ensemble. And I would sit in the wings and listen to the singers singing. And I would just make the whole thing personal. And I would just cry and weep on the side of the stage (laughs) for absolutely no reason, you know. And Mm. I loved The fact that these people told stories and I could believe it. So I wanted to do that, too. I wanted to tell stories that people could believe and people could lose themselves in it. So Elena Obratsova sings this aria. (laughs)
2: you. <laughs>
0: Aria from Cavalleria Rusticana, the music of Mascagni, and a choice of my guest Koçman Lahobie, Who was the singer there?
1: Elena Opratova was ah. the singer.
0: You mentioned um Khoitemang, that you uh you mentioned about it being a dramatic soprano this role in Cavalleria Rusticana. But how would you describe your voice? I know that you're young and you're still studying, but you when I've heard you, it sounds like you might potentially have a dramatic soprano voice one day. As you said earlier, you like singing high. You've got a kind of um, quality that cuts through the texture of the orchestra quite nicely. So, how would you describe your voice at the moment? What sort of roles do you sing?
1: I mean, at the moment, I I would like to think of myself as a full lyric soprano going to spinto. You know, there's some spinto qualities, and as I grow older, I might remain a spinto I might be a dramatic, you know, I might just play a little bit with those young dramatic uh roles, you mm-hmm. know. At the moment I do uh La Bohem Mimi La Bohem, and I do Don Giovanni, Donna Elvira, Fiordiligi, Così Fantute, you know, those kind of things. Michigan wants to introduce Poggi and Bess bass to me, which I'm still scared about That's a little. True. It's It's still a little bit early for me, but I think that's where I'm heading Mm -hmm. and then to the early Verdi's because they're not so dramatic.
0: Right, right. Describe a typical spinto role to me that we might all know. What's a famous spinto role?
1: A famous Spinto role would have to be Tosca.
0: Oh yes, yes, yeah, okay. Puccini's okay. Tosca. Yeah. And I mean, one day you might sing that.
1: One day I might <laughs> sing that. I mean, I sang that for the Johann Botha gala concert, yes. the last concert that we had with him.
0: Yes, just sadly, the, that and you were at that concert. Yes, you? I was. I and shame was. he was so unwell. He
1: was so unwell. It it was very sad, and so when I sang that with him, somebody. Somebody wrote a critic and said, somebody needs to do Tosca for Guitsema. And I thought, <laughs> well, I enjoyed singing it, but it's a little bit too early, but I'll get there.
0: Yeah. So, you you know, when I was talking to Pretienda and even Pumeza, they all said how careful the teachers are with not pushing you. Because the moment you get an agent as well, they want you to start making CDs and pushing you into repertoire uh-huh. that you're not ready for. And it must be so tempting, so because... You might think, oh, I would love to do this Verdi role or this Pugini role, but uh, not yet. If I do it, I'm going to damage my voice. Is that your sort of philosophy?
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's, I mean, you have to be very, very, very careful, Mm. you know. People get excited. Agents get very excited. Every time they hear me, like now in Michigan, I'm having a problem with my voice being too big for the Mozart roles or you know. Really? Exactly, Mm. and then I think, I sit there and I think, well at home I kind of have a biggish voice but it's a normal kind of voice, you know. Nobody thinks Brigitte Nelson when they think of me, but in Michigan they think Brigitte Nelson, only because of the the timbre of the voices of my fellow colleagues at school are not as warm and as rich as mine is, so Mm. we always have that problem. So, Opera companies, agents, and other teachers, they get very excited. Wow, you will make a great (laughs) Aida. And I agree. One day, just not today. (laughs) (laughs)
0: And then you mentioned Berg Nielsen, who's arguably one of my favorite sopranos because of her incredible sense of pitch. And I'm sure Mm -hmm. you've heard her sing many times. And I said... She also has a voice that cuts through the texture. It's a big, huge voice, but it's also so musical. Yeah, She's not shouting. Mm-hmm. And so that brings me, I mean, does Wagner lurk in the distance for you or are you just completely not interested?
1: Wagner's music is beautiful to listen. I don't really think <laughs> I'm ready for it. I mean, as I keep working on my, my voice now with Professor Daniel Washington, I feel some steel coming, you know, the cutting through the orchestra is getting mm. more real mm. and uh, when I worked with Professor Khan for the Angela Gobato concert, he said, I think now your voice is coming. Strauss and Wagner are getting closer, you know, to you than it used to be. So. Mm-hmm. We don't know. Maybe also <laughs> when I grow a little older, I'll be able to handle some of those Wagner roles.
0: Yes. Gosh, come out is older. Of course. Or Brunhilde. <laughs> Imagine that. Yeah. But down the line, isn't it? No one in their right mind would tackle those roles, probably till they're in their 40s mm-hmm. at the earliest. Indeed. Let's have another choice of music, Hoitamann. What's your number four?
1: So my number four, it's song by Elton John. Called Candle in the Wind. Oh,
0: (laughs)
2: yeah.
1: You know? So I find music to be something very beautiful. And with me singing opera, you get to learn to interpret things the way they wanted to, you know? So this is my mother's favorite song. And when I'm in Michigan or wherever far away from home and I miss her, I listen to that song. What is kind of weird is that it's a very sad song. And she used to sing it with so much passion when I was young, and I never understood why. So when I asked her, she then explained that it was a song that Elton John sang as a tribute to uh, Lady Diana, you know. And it's very sad. When I grew up, I listened to the words, and it's very sad, but it's weird that it makes me happy when I miss her and I play it. Candle in the Wind by Elton John.
3: Goodbye, England's rose. May you ever grow in our hearts. You are the grace that placed yourselves where lives were torn apart. You called out to our country and you whispered to those in pain. Now you belong to heaven and the stars spell out your name. ever will. <laughs> Loveliness we've lost, those empty days without your smile, this torch we'll always carry for our nation's golden child. Even though we try The truth brings us to tears All our words cannot express The joy you've brought us Through the years And it seems to me You've lived your life Like a candle at the wind, Never fading with the sunset When the rain set in your footsteps will always follow you along England's greenest hills. Your candles burned out long before your legend ever will.
0: That's the voice of Elton John, Candle in the Wind, and an unexpected choice almost of my guest, Le Lehobie, the soprano who is in Cape Town and has been in Cape Town to sing Mahler and to perform with the Minnesota Orchestra. And I think that I agree with you. When you listen to that, the words are sad. But it's somehow reassuring, isn't it? It is. It's not melancholy. It's sad, but it's reassuring. It is. There's a beauty there that I think you mentioned that you pick up. And when you're listening in Michigan to your missing your mother, that's there. But how did you get to America? Let's Let's go that route for a while.
1: So Professor Daniel Washington comes to the University of Cape Town every year to do master classes and to work with people. So we met in 2012. And he was also very interested in me and said, what are your plans? You know, do you plan to study further? And I said, of course, you know, and he said, you must come do your master's in the University of Michigan. You know, we spoke as a joke. And then <laughs>
0: it happened <laughs> a few
1: years later. I, I was there, you know.
0: But how did you get there? Did you get a scholarship? Did you win a bursary? Or how does, because I mean, we know all these things cost a lot of money.
1: Yeah, it it does cost a lot of money. So for the first year, they gave me half a scholarship and the Oppenheimer Trust helped me out with the rest of the money. And for the second year, it's covered. Everything is covered.
0: Okay. And now this chap, Daniel Washington, he's the one that's working with you now. Yes. And still, he's your main teacher.
1: He is my main teacher.
0: And living in Michigan for a South African girl, how's that?
1: Living in Michigan. A young
0: South African girl.
1: (laughs) Living in Michigan is quite fun. I like it there. It's very calm. It's not, you know, like Johannesburg is very vibrant Mm. and lively and a lot of people. It's like New York, basically. You know, and I'm a quiet girl, so I love quiet places. Very calm, very chilled. I just don't like the food there.
0: Oh, really? Oh, I don't.
1: (laughs) But what can I do, <laughs> you
0: know? Cook your own food. <laughs> I mean, even
1: the cooked food does not taste as good as our food. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah.
0: But now, do you have you made a whole circle of friends there? And or do you have a fairly good social life over there?
1: I've made a lot of friends. And I have a family there, uh, the Green family, which takes care of me and makes sure I'm okay, you know. And I really feel welcomed. And mm. they communicate with my family also. So it's just like one big family. And they, my family is also very sure that I'm safe and I'm in a good place.
0: And do you have you done many roles over there? Have you done lots of singing?
1: I haven't done many roles. I've done two roles, Contemporary New Operas, Dinner at Eight by William Balcombe and The Difficulty of Crossing a Field by David Lang which were very, very, very difficult operas because modern operas is very hard. And Dinner at 8 was really new. It it was done once, so no recording. You literally have to learn note by note, you know, which is very difficult, but it was such a great experience. And the composer still alive. He was there at all rehearsals saying, <laughs> no, do this, no, do that. But also what is difficult was the English language.
2: Oh, really? <laughs>
1: now I had to change from pass to pass, from class to class, because otherwise they don't understand. The Americans, yes, They of don't. And I always roll my R's and now I had to not roll my R's. Gosh.
0: <laughs> do you have vocal coaches to help you do that? Not vocal coaches, sort of language coaches.
1: Yes, there are language coaches to do that. But I mean, you know, English is not my first language, but we think a lot in English. So, mm. It's a lot of work when I have to really think that I'm not supposed to roll the R when I'm so used to rolling the R and, you know, things like that. But little by little, it's coming. And sometimes I even speak in the American accent when I don't intend to.
0: <laughs> naughty, naughty, naughty. Which is bad because I don't
1: want to have an accent.
0: <laughs> um you also have sung in David Earl, the South African composer living in London. Oh, yes. He wrote an opera, didn't he, and you sang in that, yes. in the premiere of that.
1: Yes, I sang in the premiere of Strange Ghost by David Earl in Cambridge. It was an opera about a poet, Rupert Brooke, and I played the role of a Tahitian girl who was black. You know, and it was quite an experience too, and it was very, very beautiful, especially the scene that I was involved in. Mm
0: -hmm. So you don't mind contemporary opera, as you said, it's difficult, but you you find it a challenge and it's experience apart from anything else.
1: Yes, I find it a challenge. It's very, it's very difficult, but I always happen to land with contemporary works, I guess, everybody said, oh, no, she can learn the notes quickly. (laughs) It's like the Bongani and piece. Mm. They are not easy. You are constantly counting and thinking, what is the harmony? Where do I get my line? Am I in the right place? Kind of a thing. And it's it's an interesting challenge. And because I love challenges, I do them. Though I would prefer to sing Verdi's.
0: Yes, okay. Yes, yes. And maybe we'd prefer to listen to that. <laughs>
1: of course, you know.
0: Let's try and fit in another piece of music, Khoismang.
1: So my fifth choice is Uje Suyanki Hola, meaning Jesus leads me. This is an a cappella piece because, you know, when I am chilling and when I feel weary or when I'm happy, I listen to gospel music and mostly I enjoy a cappella pieces. So... Ujesu Yanqui Hola
4: Ujesu Hola sa no magupi, I'm not sure if you do you
0: There you are. That was a choice of my guest Hoitzmanglohobie. And what was that? A gospel song, wasn't it?
1: It is a gospel song, Ujesu Yangi Hola, by the God's Grace Ministries.
0: Okay. Does religion play an important part in your life?
1: It does play a very important part because you know as a Christian you struggle with faith when things don't go your way, you kinda of wanna give up. But songs like this always. Reminds me that I should have faith and I should hold on to God's promises.
0: Mm-hmm. And also, you have lots to be thankful for of because of your incredible talent and uh-huh. your life, which is so interesting and so so wonderful. What's next when you when do you go back to Michigan?
1: So I go back to Michigan end of August and I go back into my last semester of school because in December I graduate with my masters in voice oh, performance. <laughs> And uh, what is next is I intend to stay and do a postmaster's course there because I still feel I need to work a little bit more with Daniel Washington to get the voice more in shape and then I'll be ready for the world. But (laughs) also uh, competitions are coming up and auditions are coming up, so I will be busy with that.
0: It's an exciting time for you, isn't it? It is, it is. And then, you know, do you listen? You said how much you enjoy music, how beautiful music is, and it's a lovely thing to say. Uh, How do you relax? A person who's a singer is like a sportsman. You've got to keep yourself in good physical nick all the time. Yeah. And it's hard work, as we know, and it's nerve-wracking. So... Do you, Are you a reader? Do you play another instrument? Do you swim? Do you leap out of airplanes? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> I go to the gym a little bit when I have that time, you know, and I'm free. And I like taking walks. I walk a lot and I also love going to the movies. That's what I do when I'm not busy seeing. And
0: how often do you get to come back to see your family here in Johannesburg, Kharam Yeah,
1: uh-huh. I come once a year when we have the summer break. Mm-hmm. That's when I'm home. Unless there's an emergency. You never yes, know.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And has your family ever been over there to visit you?
1: They haven't, but they, I intend that they come when yes. I graduate and experience the cold snow oh, of yeah, Michigan. Yes. <laughs> Are you
0: able to deal with that?
1: <laughs> oh, I am coping. I'm, I'm coping. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, now, thank you, Hoytumang, for coming. I know you're busy, and you've had all these wonderful things, that lovely Marla, the Minnesota experience. And you still fitted us in here on Fine Music Radio. So thank you. And come again, you know, when you do Brunhilde or <laughs> <laughs> or Isolde or of Aida. Of
1: course, I will come. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. And
0: Khoitamang, what is your last choice? I think we can squeeze the last <laughs> one in.
1: My last one is Damor Sulali Rose by Leonora from Il Trovatore. And Leontine Price is going to sing this one because she's my favorite soprano. And a lot of people always mention that our voices have similarities, so I feel very honored to be compared to somebody like that. Gosh. And this is my favorite real dream role.
0: Okay. Well, you, by the sound of things, you'll be doing it quite soon. I hope so. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Rod.